My philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, that's something. Do something. Get in trouble. Good trouble. Necessary trouble. He was always different than every member of Congress. Everybody knew what he had done. He was John Lewis. We're marching today to dramatize to the world that hundreds and thousands of Negro citizens denied the right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave us the blueprint to organize and to legislate. The reason why he's effective as a leader is because he's lived it. We made a decision to march in an orderly, peaceful, nonviolent fashion from Selma to Montgomery. You are ordered to disperse that march will not contest. I was hit in the head. My knees went from under me. I thought I was going to down the bridge. If John Lewis as a 19, 20-year-old wasn't doing what he did, I would not be here. We will march with the spirit of love and with the spirit of dignity that we have shown here today. The whole time he was in the movement, it was frightening, knowing the danger, knowing what could happen. You cannot replace a John Lewis. He's the most courageous person I ever met. Too many people struggled and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote. He challenges the conscience of the Congress. Bring common sense gun control legislation to the House floor. Forty years later, John Lewis continues to inspire us. Are you with me? Let me hear you. They were murdered for trying to help people get registered to vote or looking down on us. This is a time for action. That's why I learned from John Lewis. There are forces in America today who want to take us back, but we're not going back. We're going forward. That was, gosh, (laughs) drawing a blank here. Um, That was good, John Lewis, Good Trouble. And it is opening uh, Don Porter's film. Uh, It opens on Friday, July 3rd, the day before the 4th of July. And it is a wonderful, wonderful film. And you are listening to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. Congressman John Robert Lewis is such a presence on the American landscape. He has lived long enough to have a perspective in his lived life few can match. From an early age, he has been a person who is fearless when it comes to justice. However, unlike many heroes, Representative Lewis would intentionally get in the way. His body sacrificed for rights many nations see as fundamental for all its citizens. Lewis is the youngest child in a family that owned its own land in Troy, Alabama, at a time when black people in the South sharecropped. Not skilled in cotton picking, Lewis's siblings speak in a new film, John Lewis' Good Trouble, 2020, directed director uh, Don Porter, 
of pulling their brothers along, pulling their brother along on their sacks as they walked the rows of cotton. Lewis says that he didn't want to spend his life picking cotton and excelled in school. He says in the film that he had an excellent teachers who taught him the value of reading every day. Good Trouble is the story of a key strategist, John Lewis, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s army. Representative Lewis spoke at the first March on Washington, at that time in his early 20s. He also led the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, where he suffered a severe concussion. Bloody Sunday, as the day was afterward called, exposed to the country and world the plight of African Americans. Lewis says, when he lost his fear that day, he was truly free. Harvard scholar Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Jr. shares with Representative Lewis the story when his great-grandfather registered to vote in 1857 before such rights were taken away. It wasn't until Representative Lewis's generation that his family had its civil rights restored. Representative Lewis replies, I guess it's in my DNA. This work, which began officially at 15 years old, continues now that the congressman is 80. Lewis says proudly, I got arrested 40 times, five times in Congress. I'll probably get arrested again. When you see something that isn't right, do something. If the catalyst for the civil rights movement was the murder of Emmett Till, this young black boy on Mrs. Rosa Parks' mind when she refused to give up her seat a year later in Montgomery, then George Floyd's horrific killing has set off the still-simmering keg beneath unaddressed inequities and structural injustices legal terrorism, and historic violence against black people. One cannot legislate love. However, if the laws are not enforced, such injustices continue and continue and continue. Figurative and literal fires are burning. However, it is a rage that produces lasting change that we need to focus on now. Good Trouble highlights Representative Lewis as an intelligent strategist who, despite disagreement with legislative opponents, always maintains a level of decency and conscience. Some people might say they don't deserve. Lewis was there when the Voting Rights Act was signed into law. He was also present when Supreme Court put the VRA, or the Voting Rights Act, on life support seven years ago. There are many amazing moments in this remarkable, well-crafted film, such as uh, Lewis's campaign support for Georgia Representative Stacey Abrams in her run for the governor's seat, and interviews with Elijah Cummings, Democrat, uh, Maryland, to whom this film is dedicated, and civil rights movement giant, Congressman James Clyburn, Democrat, South Carolina. Newly inaugurated congresspersons in 2019 who speak about Representative Lewis's influence on them um, in Representative Rashida uh, Tollop's um, Democrat uh, Michigan case. As a child, she speaks of how um, she watched the congressman on television. <laughs> um, another high point uh, in the one, it's, this is the, another high point in the wonderful film. 
Congresswoman uh, Alexandria um, Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat, New York, Ayanna Presley, Democrat, Massachusetts, and uh, Ilhan Omar, Democrat, um, Minnesota maybe, MN, (laughs) are featured along with several former presidents, among them Jimmy Carter, for whom Lewis cut his political organizing teeth. Later we see the more seasoned Lewis with his organizing buddy Julian Bond, both during Freedom Summer and then much later in debates for the contested Georgia congressional seat. In an interview with Lonnie G. Bunch III, Secretary of the Smithsonian and founding director of the National Museum of African American History and Culture, the godfather of the Smithsonian's (laughs) National Museum sits with if we are to continue this analogy, his son, at the reflection pool, water cascading down in front of them. Lewis signed the legislation responsible for its completion, um, 2003 to 2016. The skilled director, uh, the skilled director, uh, Ms. Porter, her team, uh, skilled director, weaves a story um those persons peripheral to representative lewis representative lewis's inner circle do not know like us <laughs> his 60 years of service are amazing to viewers lewis often appears amazed himself as the director's team surrounds him as he's seated in a studio with larger than life-size photos of key moments in his life people events some tragic others poignant and sweet These studio sessions are freestyle moments where we see the congressman dancing theoretically and philosophically as he reflects on his life. The film opens again um, this Friday, uh, June 3rd, and it's perfect timing as I write in in this review. Around the country and the world, and youth and adults uh, are, as Lewis would put it, making trouble, and if not making good trouble, need to be making good trouble. So so anyway, that is a uh a review that I wrote um that was published in the San Francisco Bayview last month. Uh and now we're in July. Isn't that amazing? July. Wow. And I want to let you know that Don Porter is an award winning documentary filmmaker whose work has appeared on national and global platforms including HBO, PBS, Discovery and Netflix. Her current projects include the documentary Vernon Jordan, Make It Plain, which explores Vernon Jordan's rise from the segregated South to become one of the most influential African-American thought leaders in America, and this current film that we we just mentioned, and um, uh, and an untitled documentary project about photojournalist Pete Souza, who served as chief official White House photographer for President Barack Obama, and as an official White House photographer for Ronald Reagan. Uh, The director, uh, Don, uh, is also, Don Porter, is also currently directing and executive producing an Apple TV multi-part documentary series for Oprah Winfrey and Prince Harry that focuses on mental illness and well-being. Um, Another one of her more recent projects is a critically acclaimed four-hour Netflix original series, Bobby Kennedy for President, which was released in 2018 and premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, 
she is a phenomenal director, and she lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Isn't that cool? And uh, and they're going to be um, community screenings of this wonderful film, uh, so look out. Um, and, and if you're interested in, in maybe hosting one or facilitating one, uh, definitely reach out to um, um, to the uh, Magnolia Films because Magnolia Pictures because they are they are the um, uh, they are the imprint for this particular work. So I had a really good um, phone interview with the director uh, Don Porter last week. And um, or the week before last, no, the week before last. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I definitely want to let you listen to that. And um, she actually, uh, they had a, a screening in Tulsa on Juneteenth, which I bet was just simply phenomenal. So here is the interview with uh, Don Porter about this wonderful film. So enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you, Miss Porter? This this is such a marvelous, marvelous film. Thank you so much for making it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it is just oh my goodness. It is such a wonderful story about such a wonderful man that, you know, we thought we knew. <laughs> yeah. Um but we really don't know. Okay, okay. You mean that's the way you felt as you were making the film, or that's why you made the film because you knew that? No. Oh. Yeah, that is why. That is definitely how I felt as I was making it. I mean, when um, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for for writing. I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, when CNN first came and spoke to me about doing the film, um, I started. You know, I read his book mm-hmm. um, and then I started watching things and I thought there is so much to this man's life that first of all was speaking to me today but second of all I thought it's so important that we know how a John Lewis became a John Lewis right. <laughs> yeah and you know and that is I was really drawn to to some of those parts of the story so um, you know, I think he's very famous for, you know, if, you know, people who know him know about the bridge. Mm-hmm. They might know about, you know, the Freedom Rides, that he was part of that, or the lunch counters, that he was part of that. But um, understanding what it took, what, you know, I wanted to explain how did he get to those moments? Yeah. What motivated him? So, so that was very much, um, you know, an inspiration for me. Right, yeah, and and I was just thinking as I was watching the film again early this morning <laughs> to prepare for this conversation, how the timing you couldn't have planned it. Yeah, it just seems like it no. was it was like happening, being orchestrated, be in you know in a in a place beyond you know the temporal. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, um, you know that that was certainly not planned. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to the universality of his work and of the lessons of his life, which are, you know, he's kind of a slow and steady wins the race guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and, you know, so thoughtful in how he's lived his life. Right. And that those are timeless qualities, you know, thinking and listening and compassion. That is, you know, the contrast of John Lewis's style of leadership with our current president. I was thinking about that, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, could not have imagined that this moment we're in would be this moment that, you know, we would see once again kind of people taking to the streets, um, you know, to to protest, to march, to use their voices. So I do feel like I'm, I wouldn't wish this moment on anybody, but I, I do feel like there's this film is going to hopefully resonate even more deeply because of what we're living through right now. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And there were so many, so many moments of crises, and because he's a historic figure, we kind of know that things are going to be all right. Right. Because because we're here and things are all right. Um, you know what I mean? Like we're we're yeah. not yeah, no, I mean that's true. That's why you can kind of take it, you know, like mm-hmm. unlike our current police violence things that are so tragic that sometimes it's just too much. Like, you know, knowing that John Lewis not only survived but thrived mm-hmm. um through that really is something to hold on to and mm-hmm. to say, you know, you just cannot defeat um, a, a per, you know, progress, a movement like this. It's just you can't, you can't stop it. Mhm. Right. Yeah. And then you know, I was just thinking about you know these little gems. You know how how he how he met Dr. King, right? You know, as mm-hmm. a young person wanting to go to college, and mm-hmm. yeah, I was like what. You know, brother, what do you say, the boy from Troy, right? Dr. King was a real person for him. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when you think about, um, you know, what he learned and how, but, you know, he's, I I think there's also kind of a steely resolve to John Lewis Mm -hmm. that I wanted to point out because he's actually, you know, you see his kind of fiery speeches and, but He's a very soft-spoken person. He's a very quiet person. Mm. And, you know, to see that quiet is really strength, you know, that he is just the most determined. And I think you see that in his campaign against Julian Bond. You know, yes. You know, those details I think people have kind of forgotten about. But he's also a very strategic man. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, black leaders are given credit for being, you know, uh, brave. But I also wanted to point out how smart he is and mm-hmm. how smart the the planning of the movement. And we see the lasting results of those actions. And, you know, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens you know, by strategy. Yes. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the section um, in the film where you just go through some of the the high points of, of bills and laws that he he signed off on, and that were you made into. Mhm. Uh, 
There were too many, so we oh. had to, we oh. had to highlight. Oh, <laughs> oh so we my. Paul Stevie Wonder's representative, so, mm-hmm. you know, both Stevie Wonder and Pharrell were like, John Lewis, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, happy, yes. And, yes. <laughs> and then the Stevie Wonder reference? Stevie Wonder's song is, um, that's the Bills, that the, the yeah. Accomplishments. Oh, yeah. That's uh-huh. a oh. Song. oh, okay. You know, sometimes it's kind of hard to hear the soundtrack underneath. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I got to go back a third time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's just, and it's so, it's so beautiful. The film is so beautiful. I just love looking at the juxtaposition of John Lewis, Lewis then and John Lewis now. Like when you have, the face with vote, you know, looks like uh, African, yeah. um, you know, um, the uh, the white, you know, for ceremony. Yeah. yeah, and then you have him like there he is, and then the um, the the painting, and someone saying yeah. that he looks like who's who's the art who's the uh, the musician or the rap artist that they John Lewis looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, Jay Z, yeah, Jay Z, right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like you you still recognize him in the young person. You think like, dang, he was hecka young. Oh my goodness! I know, I know. I mean, I have an eighteen year old, and mm. I just you know imagining what when you're at that stage of life mm-hmm. to have the fortitude to do all the things that he's done is really just, um, you know, the the human spirit is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And to see John Lewis when he puts his mind to something, you know, watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that were some of the qualities that that you saw in him? Some of the qualities that you also saw, you know, maybe in retrospect, um, reflected in yourself as a director, because you've made oh, some wow. pretty remarkable wow. films uh, in your career, oh. and and you know, like. Like this film is just like, oh my goodness, you're probably going to get all kind of awards, <laughs> you know, because it's just such a lovely work and it's such a great collaboration. I want you to talk about that too, like, you know, like all the moving parts to this work, you know, behind the scenes and things like that. You know, um, I, I, I would not say that, no. I think mm. John Lewis is, um, I, I would think I would say like he sets a bar Mm. which I'm always like aiming, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and one of the things that he is um that is so remarkable, he's just tireless. Mm. You know, he just and I, I think that's partly because of the way that he lives his life, you know, like studying philosophy, studying religion. Mm-hmm. He made a choice about he actively decided what he believed to be a moral way of living. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, he's very peaceful, you know, as fiery as he is, he's very quiet, funny, he's a happy person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that like, made a big impression on me, um, you know, that those qualities, that is part of longevity, is not allowing yourself to be consumed with anger. And there's a lot he could be angry about. Mm-hmm. So he, I think, does 
something a lot of us hope to do, which is he uses his anger as inspiration, and he doesn't let it consume him. Mm -hmm. He recognizes, you know, that he lives his life in a very full um, and positive way. And I think that that's why he's been so, he's had such a long career, such a long, successful career. So, um, but this, you know, I, I think this film was a joy to make. I mean, these times feel so dark and so, um, you know, just angry. And this was like, it was, it was a way to be creative. It was a way to really, you know, study my ancestors. <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was just something that was so uplifting, knowing what these people accomplished, um, and then even things like working with the composer. So the composer is a woman named Tamara Kelly, mm -hmm. and she had done the music for Mudbound, and uh, you know, in talking with her, I said to her, "I really want you to write a modern spiritual. Mm -hmm. I want to be taken on a journey," and she just understood it you know she I'm not a musician so I can't describe that musically but she just she just got it hmm. and she understood how important the land is yeah yeah and you know for you know for so many black people who do not who that that connection has been broken mm -hmm. and I, I think there is something to the fact that he he knows where he comes from that's why we put the you know, seeing of him going back family home and visiting his sister and seeing his parents in the cemetery. He knows where he comes from. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, continues to um to to draw on that strength. And I, I think that's part of the, the reason why he's been so you know, he's had such a long career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even even in his, um, you know, being able to like touch the ground and that mm -hmm. it's in the family, you know, all these years and and in the wonderful, I just love the scenes, you know, with his big brothers and sisters, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so precious. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I, yeah. And I don't know if he really heard them speak that way before. Oh, you know, wow. Like, yeah. So so often you don't know how your actions, you know, it certainly impacts his family. And mm -hmm. they, they were frightened for him, but they're so proud and supportive of him, mm -hmm. Robert, as they call him. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I think that that was kind of a blessing for all of them to be able to, essentially what they're saying is we love you. Mm -hmm. You know, and saying there's when you watch the scene with the um, the siblings, you look at one of his brother, you know, wipes the tear away. It's still that fresh how worried they were for him mm -hmm. um, because, you know, black people were living in a time of terror. Yeah. And um, I don't, you know, that is something John Lewis has that I don't have. I, I am not that brave. Um, and you know, I'm just grateful that he is, but that he's not only brave, but smart. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And pointing out how smart those activists were and how they planned their actions. Mm -hmm. So that, look at what, I mean, if you think of what they were trying to do, it was so modest. 
they were trying to have a hamburger and a Coke mm-hmm. in a diner or ride a bus. Um, so, you know, it just, I was really inspired by how they strategically set about getting to the change they wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, being able to, you know, be able to see, um, you know, Representative um, Elijah Cummings, you know, whom mm. you dedicate the film to, that was really beautiful. And, and Congressman uh, James uh, Clyburn, you know, what he said. And, yeah, and some of the other, some of his other peers saying, you know, wow, well, gosh, you know, we're the same age. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wanted um, their perspective in the film. So it was like you have the perspective of people who were the newcomers, you know, mm-hmm. coming in. Yes. But also the people who were there. And I, I love, you know, Representative Clyburn says, I was never as nonviolent as John. Yes. And it really, you know, shows you. I think too often people are one portrayed in one dimension, mm-hmm. you know. And as if we don't have a range of complicated feelings. And um, so having his peers speak to, you know, kind of what it was like when you had to make those choices. Am I going to, how am I going to respond to this injustice? What is the way that I'm going to do it? So I, I just felt really, it was heartbreaking to us when Representative Collins Cummings passed um, mm-hmm. because he just gave us the most beautiful interview, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was the first person to you know kind of track us down <laughs> to do an interview. Nice. Um, yeah, I think it's not. I don't know how often it is that people line up to be in a movie, mm-hmm. but people definitely lined up for the congressman. So, mm-hmm. wow, it was a very joyful project. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. I remember um uh you know, reading in, in the notes that um, you know, John Lewis is the conscious of the um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. conscience of the Congress. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah, and and just you know, him, you know, like I love the I don't know if it's the poster or the opening, you know, where we mm-hmm. see um, you know, Congressman Lewis and see that you know, he's been arrested this many times and, you know, mm-hmm. like this is his record. And he says, you know, and then the whole idea of good trouble, good trouble. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, what a, what a great term, right? Get into good trouble. And then it's like, stop it this way and stop it that way. And his secretary saying it. he's, you know, he's really consistent in the message, right? <laughs> he is. He is. And it's, it's very comforting. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He's very grounded person mm-hmm. and it gives you something to hold on to you know yes this time when it feels like so many things are kind of I don't know which way to turn I don't know <laughs> I don't know what's real anymore um so I just appreciated you know this consistency and calm that he brings mm-hmm. um you know to our our, our political discussion Right, yeah. And and you had, wow, so much archival footage and the way you juxtaposed 
you know, the now and the then and and the congressman not having seen some of the footage because, you know, he's out there doing the work, right? So you can't just watch a movie about your life when you need to live your life. Right. And and so he's sitting there, you know, and, and you know, the way you said that with the big screens and 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 he's he's reflecting on this historic moment for us. And and that just seems like wow, as a director, it's like, whoa, those moments and then um, you know, his relationship with the the person who um uh, I don't know what his his title is, but he's like his aide. He's with him. he's been with yeah, him like his chief of staff. Yeah. Chief of staff, right, right, yeah. And and the attorneys they're getting ready to go in and um and address you know um, the house and they're preparing yeah. and, and all these young people, right, or people that are like a yeah. lot younger, like whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's true, and you know I think. Um, we don't really see how government really works. Mm-hmm. And so, to, you know, to see a little bit of that separation. But also, I think the relationship between him and his chief of staff was really um, made a big impression on me because mm-hmm. you don't always see first this intergenerational, but also they have such an easy, you know, love and respect for one another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is something they show each other every day, which that's not how we usually portray black men mm-hmm. as having these friendships. Um, you know, so, um, you know, Michael has been with him for 20 years mm-hmm. and still calls him Mr. Lewis, you know. Yes. <laughs> or the congressman. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and there's just that kind of, you know, like that's how I grew up, elders. Mm. Um you know, and and I I found that to be really important to show that that's you know how they treat one another, um, how they show up for one another, mm-hmm. and what example that sets. You know, right? Yeah, and you know, just you know, sort of reflecting on on that relationship. You know, as they were walking up all those stairs, I mean, we sort of felt those. <laughs> that's like that. You said you're gonna like hold my arm or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, yeah. And then, and then, funny. and that was, yeah, that was something that we, you know, sometimes when you um, you were filming so much, you know, you go back and there's I didn't walk up all the stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I set the cameraman up. Oh, and watching the footage later, you see that, and mm-hmm. so those are the kind of precious things, you know. They're not even knowing. They're not even focusing on us. Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm. What those are the great moments, like as a director, that you you live for is finding those. You know, that's a really real example of that's the epitome of their relationship. They tease each other, they mm-hmm. care about each other. Mm-hmm. They're funny, you know. Don't let me fall. You know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, so that was really fun. yeah. Like you know, and he Michael carrying the umbrella, and I'm thinking, okay, is he gonna keep him dry, right? And and then, and then wiping the kiss uh, the lipstick off his cheek, know. you know, when the woman kisses him, I was like, <laughs> Michael, you need to stop it. Pray for this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love how they tease each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that lipstick. Mm-hmm. Right, and then and then the baptism. Right, I got fully submerged. You got sprinkles. I know. <laughs> so am I? Am I less Isn't blessed than you? Yeah. Right, right. I am more Christian than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. 
and then and then even the way you start, you know, off like showing us in the beginning how um, you know, Michael is straightening his tie, you know, making sure, you know, that is you know, and just the way everyone is taking care of make sure you know, he's not too shiny, like, okay, we don't wanna he made yeah. a joke about his forehead, right? <laughs> you know, and I think that that shows um, that he means more to his staff than just being a boss, mm-hmm. you know, that um, they have a really full relationship that has lasted for so many years. So um, I was really I think as a black director, as a black woman, it was really important for me to show that love between them. You mm-hmm. know? Yes. Mm. Wow, wow, yeah. I wanted to um, ask you, because um, I don't know how much more time we have, if you could talk a little bit about about your 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 life as a director and your preparation for for the work that you know, this great work and, and you are, you sort of like, you're working on something else too as you're working on this and, mm-hmm. and then other, other films and other projects, you know, in your, um, uh, uh, in your portfolio, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, sort of speak to, you know, sort of what, you know, your values as a director and as a storyteller, cause you know, you, you taught and and uh and you live here in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is like wow. Um and, and we are such an epicenter of, of activism and and yeah. change, you know, right here and, and there's so much happening, you know, we've got a pandemic, um yeah. and and we're opening back up, but people are still dying. Um, you know, we've yeah. got this big, you know, Juneteenth is tomorrow, yeah. like African American yeah. Freedom Day, and then you open the day before, yeah. um, you know, the 4th of July, some people say, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the Independence Day for whom, well, you know. I'm so glad you were so observant. None of these are accidents. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we are, you know, our first major screening is going to be tomorrow in Tulsa. Right, I was reading about that. Yeah. And um, that is one of the reasons I love, that was, you know, a, an idea by our distributor it was, and we just loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, sometimes you can oppose, you know, Trump by by what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting, you know, the John Lewis film the site, you know, Tulsa, the site of a historic violation of black people's rights mm-hmm. on Juneteenth, you know, the day we celebrate that the slaves finally understood, all the slaves understood they were free. Right. Um, what could be more American than a movie by John, about John Lewis? And mm-hmm. same for 4th of July. You yeah. know, I would like to take back the word patriot and make mm-hmm. it something that embraces everybody instead mm-hmm. of just people who are trying to deny other people's rights. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is very much part of this effort. I mean, I am attracted to my first film was a film called Gideon's Army, mm-hmm. about three young African-American public defenders in the Deep South. And, you know, their stories really moved me. I guess I have been examining this question of what it what it means to love your country um, when you are a minority in that country. 
And for me, you know, if you think about public defenders, the only job that's described in the Constitution is you have the right to counsel. Mm -hmm. You have the right to a lawyer. We are not supposed to lock people up without, you know, due process. And those, that is what a public defender does for free mm -hmm. for the poorest of the poor. So I'm just really interested in examining, um, you know, turning around and upside down this idea of what love for America means and how it can be inclusive instead of exclusive. So I think a lot of my films are examining that question one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. And um, <clears throat> are you are you a, a, a native to California, to the Bay Area? Like, were you born and raised here? No, I am a native New Yorker, um, oh, okay. born in Brooklyn, raised mm -hmm. in the Bronx and in the New York suburbs. Um, and very proud of my New York roots. <laughs> um, so, you know, newer to the Bay Area. We've only been here about five years. Um, oh, okay. But um, I really um, appreciate um, the creativity of the Bay and how um, values are so often part of the conversation about how you live your life. You know, mm -hmm. and um, I feel like, you know, on the East Coast, we kind of march through things, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> on the West Coast, there's a little more reflection and kind of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of community that I really enjoy um, in certain neighborhoods in the Bay Area. So it's been, um, it's been fun getting to explore the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about <clears throat> you know the the wonderful um scene with um with uh secretary um Smithsonian secretary um Lonnie Bunch oh, where Lonnie that, Bunch. Yeah. yeah, that's really beautiful them sitting there, you know, just just in each other's company just watching the waterfall, mm -hmm. right? That's just like a moment of stillness that's just really beautiful cuz there there are moments of stillness um, in the film and these moments like when he says, when um, uh, Mr. Lewis says that when his fear went away, you know, like yeah. it was like no stopping him, you know, after that, mm -hmm. the, you know, move, what is it, the Freedom, not Freedom Sun, but the um, the bus when they were. Um, yeah. yeah, Freedom Rise. Uh, Freedom yeah. Rise, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's a, such an important Point, and I think it's also very relevant today, is strength isn't always accomplished by screaming. It can mm. be very quiet. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think an example Mr. Lewis gives to all of us is, um, you know, that he is resolved. Yeah. <laughs> he is <clears throat> calm and focused and purposeful and resolved. Mm. And, you know, I, I definitely see the wisdom and the effectiveness of his strategy. I, I think you do need people lighting stuff on fire, and you see that in his personality, too. Mm -hmm. By lighting stuff on fire, I mean lighting, you know, being really vocal about injustice. I absolutely, you know, believe in that. But I also think 
when we're looking to structural systemic change, we got to take the long view. And Mr. Lewis is really provides, you know, a guide to how to one way of that happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, going back to you know the. Uh, I don't know what, what Congress it is that was sworn in that you that's in your film, but when we have all of these um, these new you know voices you know in the Congress and particularly when um, uh, the Congresswoman um, from Detroit, Michigan, um, uh, Rashida I don't know how to pronounce her last name um, when she talks yeah, about Tali when she talks about when, when she was a child watching. Yeah. <laughs> you know the uh representative lewis on on the television it's like wow you know just i'm like and the, and now she's his peer like whoa I know. you're like literally seeing the baton be passed mm-hmm. yeah yeah those are some wonderful interviews um that is like wow that's that's sort of showing you know his longevity like and after that too yeah i i felt like that a lot you know and i felt like um, but so often we have bad news and, mm. you, know, you know, I think at this time when we are literally worried about the future of democracy, mm-hmm. to me, it was important to show that there are people who are learning from the right teachers mm-hmm. and, you know, they're going to make their own way, but part of their education is going to be studying, you know, a a calm and effective leader. So. Mm. I found that I found that comforting. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, and it was really beautiful, you know, sort of having it, you know, all of the, you know, the current, um, uh, I guess, electoral process, you know, the the having the results coming in and and seeing sort of how how they all get together and they they you know they campaign for each other and cheer each other on and then they sit and watch the returns and they say, okay, we got that one. Oh. And, you know, I've never seen that, like, because, you know, how many of us get to hang with representatives, right? So. Exactly. No. We were, yeah, that was, mm-hmm. really, that was mm-hmm. really a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then seeing, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Georgia representative um, Stacey Abrams, you know, what happened with her. And and, and she's actually, you know, um, Elihu Harris um, <clears throat> uh, and, and Barbara Lee, they have a, a series that they a speaker series. So a lot of these representatives, some of the older ones, um, we've seen them before because they have that the Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Center is here in the Bay Area, and so it's like, oh, I've seen Congressman, you know, James Clyburn, you know, speak, you know, here, and and so anyways, it was really kind of cool, you know, seeing um, seeing them on the screen and hearing these other stories, and we've actually seen them here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, uh, uh, Stacey Abrams, you know, because of COVID-19, she wasn't here physically, but we saw her, you know, via, you know, an online platform recently. So yeah. that was kind of cool. Hey, Wanda, I'm so yes. sorry to interrupt, but uh, we, need, we need to wrap it up for okay. our on schedule. So are you all set or did you need anything else? Um, I, well, I wanted her to have some closing words, if that was okay. Of course. Thank sure. you. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I... I think this is one of this is one of the most meaningful films I will ever do, mm. and that is because um, I think John Lewis is 
a once in a lifetime person and mm-hmm. example, but I think his message, um, there's something in his actions that we all can emulate, that we all can follow. So I may not ever be as strong or resilient or determined as John Lewis, but I can try. And, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't, he couldn't see the future for himself, but he imagined it. He didn't see it around him when he was growing up, but he was able to imagine it. Yes. And I think if a John Lewis can imagine that, I can certainly imagine the future I want for my children, you know, and for the world that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's coming up for all of us. So, uh, so thank you so much for writing. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And have fun tomorrow at the screening in, in Tulsa. That's going to be so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can't be there. It's virtual. But, yes. Um, but we'll be, you know. Quote unquote attending. So. Yes, yes. We'll be in the new iteration, but you'll be there. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, good to talk to you. Good talking Thanks to you. Remember. Sure. Thank you both so much. Bye bye. Have a good day. You bye. too. Bye. They're telling me keep searching. In the middle of these bars, I'm trying to find my purpose. Can't cover up these scars. I let you see that we hurt. It's the corner of my soul that's telling me it's all worth it. Nah. Dead bodies, they keep hunting me. 25 years old, that's all I want to see. But they be thinking about harming me. I'm just searching for Tay's harmony somewhere in America. My two feet are Nike shoelaced on jaded. Sidewalks of crisscross rhythm with proverbs, scriptures, and signs of y'all handprinted on my heart. It's patterned to the blues that jazz and ain't t shoes. Here, we overstepped last night's news of blood spills with life at its earliest year's slips. In cracks and pits of ghetto bellies, hunger, cling to ribcage, ribcage, fifth and chesty liquor, swallow, Hennessy tears dropped on vacant lots, maybe. A rose or two will grow from this asphalt, but slanted. Clips, petals, crimson dips when thugs cry. Bloodshed, yeah, these streets should do that to you. You'll be somewhere in America. A folded wide in the pockets of court cases when white men in black gowns gavel. Racist sightings and silence, you sit there. Clenched teeth, seat with grief and cry. When 12 strangers, all who favor disciples of white God, hang niggas with a life sentence. With prideful stares that tap dance a glance from the abyss of a blue eyed sea. See, I see y'all see me as a life sentence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, you do. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I heard my skin, this nose, my sis, my bros. You count as your foes. A byword, a byword, a byword like black. Like black be me, like I ain't the soil Like this blood ruby red jewel post ain't royal What nigga, you think I ain't somewhere in America A full shoulder with the brick of burden sacked across my back sacked Like nowhere for hire Plights, eyesight's nowhere for hire Like, do you know where for hire Aside county, aside state Aside federal numbers across my breastplate Aside a thick stake of debt and the breathtaking of after nights When we have to fight against everything Cause somewhere in America 
There's a child left behind to daily bread and molded crumbs When bums beg me and my pennies for thinnies Instead of the most highest mercy Thirsty to starving, living waters, gardens of Edens Fruits be best without heathens, misleading So it's the evil noise Where you going, my nigga? Somewhere in America I goes to find me some freedom somewhere in America Whitey says eyes free and I believe them Can't leave them here, no, 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 no They ain't the best of things to do Go home to the motherland for what? Eyes flying right here in the zoo Ooh, 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 what's left with you? Don't you know no rights? I'm okay with anything. We get shit. Loans out and equal to the whites, but not like this all. Kink your head and dirty like, yikes! Be me for what? What's special about me as I be? As I be me, I get nowhere but grave. Or engraved picture on a shirt. Petite, this white Jesus left me dead in the church. Somewhere in the South, television sold me. They tell a vision of lies convenient for the count. Anything to entertain your mind control. How you think you think, because you think who told you that? Who told you that freedom was somewhere in America? Because eyes been thumbs up, side road hiking. College paper typing, two jobs overnighting, overtraining, typing, fighting and biting my way through the holy field, and I ain't seen it. Who told you that somewhere in America, affirmative action meant favor? For you, I'll wait. At the Fruitvale Station, wake for Oscar. Grant us peace for Eric. Garner the spirit of hip-hop lyrics and toenail closer inside a mansion or kingdom. Stop dancing for chances. If you want answers, then be them. You breathe them. So for us, the heat thickens. Black lives matter while livers sicken, huh? Black lives matter while livers sicken from vodka. Bloody Mary shots, they bullet our babies to submission. Attention is payment. So what do you invest your time in? Sin? Because if it's not the Messiah your soul, then it's nothing pretty. We're just a pack of blind eyes chasing shadows in a burning city somewhere in America. That was Dante Clark. Um, I don't know if he's still the Port Laureate for uh, the Youth Port Laureate for Richmond, California, but that's Dante in his poem, Keep Searching. And I am going to um, I'm play uh, part of this uh, wonderful work by Billy Harper, and uh, Amir Baraka is doing this poem, and it's called Knowledge of Self. However, before that, I want to let you know that there is a um, uh, the Mundo uh, Obero Workers World, uh, Workers and Oppressed Peoples of the World Unite. They're hosting a uh, webinar tomorrow. Uh, it's called Free Mumia Abu Jamal, Free Them All. And it is 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. And... Um, I believe it's uh, on their Facebook page. So I'll I'll try to put a link. I'll figure out how to put a link <laughs> here in this description so you can just click on it and get registered. But um, they're going to have a speakers, uh, Mumi Abu-Jamal, Pam Africa, who is the Minister of Confrontation of the MOVE Organization and International Concern Family and Friends, Mumi Abu-Jamal, Larry Holmes of the Workers' World Party First Secretary and Theoretical Contributor to Workers' World, uh, Shafia Mbalia, uh, Imam Jamil Abdullah Alamin, uh, formerly uh, HRAP Brown Action Network. That would be great to hear what's happening with him because we know that he is not well physically. Uh, um, neither is Mulia for that matter. Um, Abdul Halim 
Muhammad, a student minister, Nation of Islam in Houston, Texas. Um, Mia X, Boston Workers World Party and Spoken Word Artist. Monica Moorhead, Managing Editor of Workers World Newspaper, Editor of Marxism, Reparations, and the Black Freedom Struggle. And um, Marinda Chrisman, who is co-editor of Tear Down the Walls, Prisoner Page for Workers World Newspaper and Prisoner Solidarity Committee of Workers World Party. And, um, yeah, this um, this should be a really good um, panel so we can uh, find out what's happening with some of the more, I guess, um, visible uh, political prisoners, but also strategize on what we can do um, to, as we say, free them all. So that is tomorrow, and, again, that's uh, Workers and Oppressed Peoples of the World Unite, uh, Workers World. So you can find them uh, in their Facebook page. And I am, gosh, we only have four minutes. <laughs> we might as well probably um, have uh say hi to our, our next guest. So why don't we just do that as opposed to playing part of a, a song and you'll probably say, oh, man, I can't even hear the rest of it. So let's see. <laughs> good morning. Catherine, is that you? Hello. Good morning. Early, early. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> so how early is it in Hawaii? It's 6.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is early. Yeah, I think I was still sleeping at 6.30 <laughs> mm-hmm. Pacific time. Or no, I think I was like pressing snooze um, still. <laughs> well, it's all good because we're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. So Eugene will be joining us in about three minutes, but um, I thought since um, since you were there a little early, I thought, well, let me just um, have Catherine have a chat. join us now. Yeah, have a chat. So I found this really nice interview of you um, on the uh, the History Makers uh, website. And uh, oh, thank you for checking inter- it out. Yeah, this interview was. Um, was recorded um December tenth, um mm-hmm. last year, so it's it's not, you know, present but it's not that old either. So um so I'm just gonna read a little bit of it if you don't mind. That would be wonderful. Okay, yes, very nice. I'm not well I, I'm too. not sure what I what you know, what all he included in there, but yes. Okay. I I trust <laughs> your discriminating uh abilities. Sure, sure. So Catherine Waddell Takara, um, is a poet and professor, um, was born in 1943 in Tuskegee, Alabama, to Lottie and Dr. William Waddell IV. After graduating from George School in Newton, um, or Newtown, Pennsylvania, she earned a B.A. degree from Tufts University in 1965. Uh, Takara went on to receive her M.A., degree in French from the University of California at Berkeley in 1969, and her Ph.D. degree in political science from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in 1995. In 1971, um, she joined the Ethnic Studies Department at the University of Hawaii at Manoa as an assistant professor, where she developed courses in African American and African politics, history, literature, and culture, during her 31-year career at the university, she rose to associate professor in the university's interdisciplinary studies program and taught French. Um, her poetry has been published in a variety of publications, including interdisciplinary 
Study Humanities Journal, Honolulu Stories, Words Upon the Waters, uh, and that's the book that we published here, and it was a uh, uh, response to uh, Hurricane Katrina and was also used as a fundraising tool for many years. And we're so happy you were able to join us in that publication, uh, Catherine. It was really thank you. Really, really, really a beautiful, beautiful document, and uh, it was really wonderful pulling all that together. We actually hand printed the first edition of that book, and it was just really great sort of pulling that through our bodies, you know, as people were were not recovered and recovering and lost and it was great to be able to do something that tangible. Uh physically oh, yeah. uh, tangible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh other publications include the African Journal of New Poetry, Arkansas Review, Africa Literary Journal. Um I want to ask you, are the black scholar I was wondering, are there any particular um publications that that just sort of like really resonate with you since you are so, you know, well documented. Um, you're such a prolific writer. And now you're well, a publisher you know, too. Eugene Eugene Redmond and I are in the same collection from Totems to Hip Hop, which was edited by Ishmael Reed. Oh yes. I have that book I and I have worked in one of my classes. <laughs> oh good. Good. And I've worked it with Ishmael on um several projects. And mm-hmm. he did publish my first book of poetry, New and Collected. So that's exciting. And then I've I've uh, written articles about African Americans in Hawaii in various mm-hmm. uh, different perspectives and various collections. Um, yeah, and I've also organized a lot of black conferences here when I was teaching and done a lot of oral histories. Mm. Nice, nice. Where are your oral But I think my, my primary uh, research on African American history in Hawaii and the politics of it all has been mm-hmm. um, something that has been very useful to other scholars, um, not only um, here in Hawaii or on the mainland, but actually it has spread globally. So that's that I'm very happy about. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, where um, where uh, do the archives live that you've um, you know created around around the oral histories? Well, there are some at the University of Hawaii under the oral history um, program, and then I have a whole book waiting to be published on um, probably have forty interviews, mainly of black women in Hawaii, but also some black men. And um, that's like coming, <laughs> coming with other other projects. I hope that I can um, at least complete some of them. When I when I retired, I did start a small publishing company called Pacific Raven Press. And um, being a black woman who came to Hawaii in 1968 and have been here pretty much ever since. It's um we are not a, a large uh population here. We've grown through the years, but I think that um flying in from elsewhere as a raven, as a Pacific raven, um suited me quite well. Mm, nice, nice. <laughs> wow. And um and and uh Eugene has, has joined us. Let me continue with your bio and then we'll 
Well, welcome, Eugene. Um, so you uh, you published three books of poetry, new and collected poems in 2003, Pacific Raven, Hawaii Poems in 2009, and uh, Tourmalines Beyond the Ebony Portal in 2010. You also released a poetic trilogy, including the books Love Seasons in 2014, Zimbabwe Spin in 2015, and Shadow Dancing, uh, Selling Survival in China 2016, and the S's are dollar signs. And you were the recipient of the University of Hawaii's Board of Regents Outstanding Teacher Award and a two-time Fulbright Fellow, 1966 and 1996. And you received the 2010 American Book Award for your published work, Pacific Raven, Hawaii Poems. And you were knighted into the Orthodox Order of St. John, um, Russian Grand Priority Priory, um, in 2014 and received the Lifetime Achievement Award in Education in African American History and Culture in Hawaii from the NAACP in 2016. Um, yeah, and again, um, this particular interview was conducted by History Makers in December 2019. So welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I hope we haven't bored your your readers with all of that bio there. I am 77, <laughs> so I've I've worked a long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good morning. Impressive, impressive. <laughs> well, let's let's share your bio, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty short. You must have really edited this down. Uh, Eugene B. Redmond, <laughs> uh, Doctor Redmond. Emeritus Professor of English Literature and Black Studies at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, was named Poet Laureate of East St. Louis, Illinois, in 1976, the year Doubleday released his critical history, Drum Voices, The Mission of Afro-American Poets. Is it poets? Poets, maybe. Um, Earlier, as a teacher, counselor, and poet-in-residence at um, SIU's Experiment in Higher Education, 1967 to 1969, his colleagues included Catherine Dunham and and Henry Dumas, 1934 to 1968. Also during the 1960s and 1970s, he helped found several black studies programs and weekly newspapers, including the East St. Louis Monitor, for which he wrote a weekly column and the entire editorial page for six years. As literary executor, executor, sorry, of Dumas' estate, and with assistance from Loretta Dumas, uh, Tony Morrison, Maya Angelou, Amiri Baraka, and Quincy Troop, Redmond edited several posthumously published volumes of his friend's writings. These included Arc of Bones, short fiction, Knees of a Natural Man, poetry, Jonah, how do you pronounce it, Jonah? Jonah. Genoa, Genoa and the Green uh-huh, and the Greenstone, a novel, and Echo Tree collected short fiction. Uh that's really great because a lot of people don't know um uh Dumas's work, so that's really great that you put it out there. Uh, so people mm-hmm. can become familiar with his uh artistry. Um Red was book, professor new edition of one of his uh of his poetry coming out in the fall. Oh good. Which one? Um uh, Needs of a Natural Man, poetry, mm-hmm. 
coming out from Flood Editions, a St. Louis-based publishing house. Mm -hmm. That'll be out in the fall, we hope. (laughs) Okay, excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you, thank you, Catherine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and Reverend was Professor of English and Poet in Residence in Pan-African Ethnic Studies at California State University, Sacramento, from 1970 to 85. While at CSUS, he won a National Endowment for the Arts Creative Writing Fellowship, a Pushcart Prize, and an Outstanding Faculty Research Teaching Award, and lectured at universities in the United States, Africa, and Europe. In 1986, E. St. Louis created the Eugene B. Redmond Writers Club in his honor. The club turned 34 in 2020. Winner of two American Book Awards, uh, Redmond's most recent release, After authoring, editing more than 40 collections of diverse writings is Arkansippi Meme Wars, Poetry, Prose, and Folklore, 1962-2012. It's on Third World Press. In September of 2019, he read his poetry at the National Museum of African American History and Culture during the 25th anniversary of the Furious Flower Poetry Center. Having received an honorary doctorate of Human Letters from SIUE in 2008, he witnessed the grand opening of the Eugene B. Redmond Collection and Learning Center in the Elijah P. Lovejoy Library in October of 2015. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> the center maintains hundreds of thousands of Redmond's awards, manuscripts, photos, Letters, newspapers, books, journals, magazines, brochures, flyers, playbills, artworks, and cloth memorabilia. So, again, welcome to both of you. This is going to be such a wonderful conversation. And um, I don't know, maybe, we, I don't know, should we start it out with some poetry, or do you all want to just catch up with each other? Um, there's so much, you know, we're going to, it's going to be like free wielding because we're in the middle of a pandemic and and meanwhile, municipalities are opening up, and the numbers are not going down. They're going up in certain places. So, yeah, and then we've got, um, you know, sort of looking at sort of the way that this nation has been treating people of African descent, um, you know, since, you know, when they brought us over here as enslaved persons, and then after that, despite uh, the legislation that has changed laws and legislated you know, uh, democracy for everyone is not happening. And and then we got, wow, we've got the 4th of July coming up this weekend. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then uh, Kwame Ture, or Stokey Carmichael, his birthday was um, was Monday, the 29th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, people know about, you know, SNCC and, um, and the uh, AAPRP uh, that he founded. No, he didn't actually... Um, uh, Kwame Nkrumah did. <laughs> Sorry. And um and then um Bea Richards has a centennial um this mm-hmm. month in a couple of weeks. And that's gonna be mm-hmm. the second edition of the um uh Wake Up Everybody, um Wake Up see, what is it? Kim's poetry reading. What was it the title of it? Um Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, Wake Up America. Wake Up America Part Two. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, yeah, but part two is going to be on, on uh, Bea Rich's birthday. Isn't that fun? Oh, the 12th. <laughs> the 12th, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me just say <clears throat> that um, um, I'm an immense admirer of Catherine's work. And have Thank taught you. From various um, collections. And uh, you know anthology and her anthologies and her own work. So and, I, and that I'm I'm also no stranger to the West Coast. You know I was based in Sacramento for almost 15 mm-hmm. years, and um, with a team, uh, a team of brothers and sisters. Including uh, Sandy Tomini, uh, Jose Montoya, Ron Tanaka, Ron Takaki, um, and a bunch of us who were either colleagues at uh, at SACTO or, you know, uh, it included a mixture of, of um, strong people from the Bay Area. So for most of the 70s into the early 80s, we had an annual uh, Third World Writers and Thinkers Symposium. So all of the the major figures and minor figures, major figures are born in, came into Sacramento once a year, you know, more than once, but for this big, big, Powwow, and um, so from the Barrios and uh, from the uh, all the other communities, the reservations, and so on, uh, from the universities, the Zatlin groups from Texas, and we could go on, you know, such as Alves, Maya Angelou, um, the oh man, I got. Native American, the first one to win the Pulitzer Prize, House Made of Gone, you know, mm. he came. And then the, and the communities came. So we had literally thousands of people on campus for about a week every year from all of these communities. And so I got to know people, and I got to teach people and to read people, um, you know, in the classrooms and doing that. That year week long event, uh, we all interacted. We had third world panels, and then we had individual um, cultural panels and readings, um, theatrical presentations, exhibits. So, uh, and I and I stayed in touch with a lot of those people. I went there in 1970, and so I stayed in touch. And, in fact, um, Catherine and I are in the same generation. I'm 82, mm-hmm. and um, I've, um, and I just, right before I called in, I spoke with one of my students from 1967, but that's like 53 years ago. <laughs> and uh, so I'm in touch with these students, and their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Many are writers, and 
many are in the professions in law and medicine and all almost all are into activism. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I, but I, I count Catherine among the, among, you know, the heroes, heroes and heroes of mine, and uh, you know, mighty, mighty voices. Thank yeah. you, Eugene. We have to sit yeah. down together sure. once, once I get back to California. Although I know you're sure. not in California. But I, but, but I do get to California on occasion. Yeah. Good. So I thought I'd just uh, sort of lay that out. Ishmael reads, you know, the whole. Uh, Janice Medikitani, I just recently got a note from her mm. that said, uh, thanks for keeping us in touch with each other and ourselves. Mm. So yes. that's because of something that I sent out to know about what's going on. So now, take it away, Catherine. <laughs> well, thank you. Um I know that um, actively and consciously you've been involved with the black arts movement from, you know, from forever, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, putting mm-hmm. it together as you became uh, a writer and then a coordinator and organizer and master teacher and all of these things. I had um, written a small uh, piece in my daughter's book, Our Spirit's Carry Our Voices, which Wanda is a part of, and it was a West Oakland to West Africa poetry exchange. My daughter mm-hmm. is Carla Brundage. But I wrote this piece oh, yeah. um, where I, I talked her. about yeah. Afrofuturism, and I thought if you didn't mind, I would read a little bit about that, since I feel that even though it's a newly, fairly newly coined uh, label or phrase or whatever, that in fact we as a people who are creative and dynamic and lots of energy and blah, blah, that we have been Afrofuturists with a conscience and a striving for freedom and a fighting uh, the activism against injustice. And so I thought that I would talk about that a little bit. In fact, I want to read a little excerpt. And I say, Afrofuturism is a fusion of new and old forms, taking observations of traditional art forms to create new rifts, often political, while conserving some of the more traditional means and themes of expression. It is a cultural aesthetic and even a philosophy of history Hmm. that develops and cultivates intersections of vanguard visionary and experimental modes with Mm. traditional art forms using technology to enhance our interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. Blacks remain central in the vanguard, visionary, experimental, ahead of time, yet deeply rooted in our legacy, in our tradition, and deeply or supremely No, that's a big word. Improvisational. (laughs) Afrofuturism is inventive and original. It is spiritual, relying on imaginative interpretations of reality, using reflections on dreams, myths, and history. There is an Afrocentric cosmology that in various ways describes the universe and our human place in it. 
Afrofuturism invites participation, evoking interactive engagement with the other. It is creatively centered in all areas of human activity with a shared aim of envisioning black futures that stem from an Afro-diasporic tradition and shared experiences, somewhat intuitive, whether consciously or not. Mm. It inevitably includes Afroisms, oral expression, creativity, legends, myths, proverbs, metaphors, symbols, and art in new forms. Mm. It is a creative psychological storytelling through carving words, songs, and dance into recognizable and sometimes unrecognizable manifestations. It is a labyrinth of questioning and exchange. It calls into question, what is reality? What is justice? How does it differ across Mm. cultures? Mm. Finally, I'll quit after Mm. this last little bit. Afrofuturism also uses humor and a sense of balance to create a dynamic psychological force field spiritual, and healing, nurturing the heart and soul of community, local, national, international, nurturing the heart and soul of community and identity, the inner country, with a Mm -hmm. vibrant, sometimes loving energy. The form becomes restorative, inviting harmonic innovations, angular rhythms, and hope for a more compassionate, understanding mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's in our spirits carry our voices. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Just thinking about all, all the the, um, the people who are carriers, uh, that, you know, that title, Carrier of the Dream, Dream Wheel, yes. Wendy Rose, Native American Anthology. Well, we, uh, the carriers, you know, and um, uh, the cosmology um, that they, that the carriers uh, adhere to and weave into what they do, you know, whether it's the Billy or Zora, you got to, you got to go there to know there, mm-hmm. or... Or um, Miles, Coltrane, Henry Dumas, Sun Ra, um, and and I've been writing a few pieces. I'm not going to read one here, but I sent them out, and been using the the Kwanzaa, which is a, a, a yeah. form of poetry we invented in East St. Louis in 1995. And using other forms like the tanka and the uh, haiku, but using them to talk about how other, you know, and I call this the sheltering that we've been doing, sheltering in space. You've probably seen <laughs> some of that wonder, yeah. And um, so, yes, I, that that um, wow, there's just so so much. Um, that has kept us alive 
that that's dependent on Afrofuturism. I don't know if if either of you or both of you saw the Tony Morrison film the other night. I missed it. It was on PBS. Well, mm-hmm. I missed it two or three times. It's shown. It's been shown. And so a friend called me a Wednesday, and I saw it. I missed. I got into it about fifteen minutes and two. But she says, you know, at the end, of, we have loved and we have loved deeply uh, through it all. And she talks about survival, but it's a, it's a survival with such a such a grand and um, funky augustness that you know it just gives me chills sometimes when when I. And I read Morrison, and and I knew knew her well. Uh-huh. Uh, we we did the Dumas books together. Okay. Oh. So, uh, yeah, and so yeah, I think that uh, the the South African poet Mangana Sarodia says, "I walk with my back to the future <laughs> because I've been there. That's we we're there all the time." <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to pick up, you know, when you lost your go home. So that's sort of uh, the future. You've you've examined it, and you keep examining it, but you've got to connect the past up with that, you know. Um, wow. So yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, uh, I'm I'm really anxious to see where that the work. Um, and, and some of the hip hop community, the um, uh, uh, Arrested Development, the, yes, yeah, the leader, the leader's mother graduated from high school with me. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean yeah. Teach? Uh, huh? Yeah, Teach's mother, Teach's mother uh-huh. graduated yeah. from. Lincoln High School in East St. Louis in 1957, mm-hmm. and other people who graduated that from that school include Miles Davis, mm-hmm. who is certainly an Afro-futurist, mm-hmm. and um, Leon Thomas, oh. the yodeler, who recorded yeah. with uh, Pharaoh and worked with, yeah, um, mm-hmm. And of course, Jackie Joyner Kersey, the, the runner. I mean, mm-hmm. she certainly ran into a switch. <laughs> uh, but that—that's uh, the idea of tradition, tradition and future. I think are what, what I what I try to ground myself in. You know, mm-hmm. you know Zora again. You got to go there to know there, and um, so. My my last my my late my well the last book that I published is now a decade ago. Well, Arkansippi. I created for two words for it. Arkansippi. My mother's folks from Mississippi. My father's folks from Arkansas. And memoirs, as you saw there, Wanda. I spelled memoirs. The, the 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 second syllable is like the word war, battle. That's how I spell right. memoir. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, I'm 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 still working, working that grid and 
trying to teach that grid. And one of the things that to me uh, is going to be problematic. Eugene, is your phone um, it's like making this sound? I, um, and it, it comes and goes. Yeah. And I was wondering. I don't. I don't know how you. Yeah. Like right what, now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I. Okay. Let me put it. Let me put it on. Okay. That's worse, right? That's worse. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I took it off speaker. Okay, let me move around here a little bit. Okay. Let's see. We've had some severe thunderstorming around here. Oh, really? So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? How is it now? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's, not it's so, okay. so. I mean, yeah, it's not as the noise isn't so bad. Yeah, because I want to make sure okay. we can hear you. <laughs> Sure. Well, what I wanted to say in this segment <clears throat> uh, is that what I'm concerned, these, everything that is happening has been predicted by my team. And my daughter said, Dad, how did you know this? The killing of the black man, the re-arrival of awareness of the mistreatment of black people, and the mistreatment of human beings generally. And, I mean, we've actually pinpointed it for my daughter who would have a doctorate. Actually, she passed passed her um, defense the other day. But she said... Congratulations to her. That's big. Thank you, treasure, treasure. She said, um, you know, I said, okay, the killing of black men, you know, and she says... And then it started happening. What, how did you know? And I said, well, baby, when you've been through a few revolutions, you understand cycles. Hmm. And I said, every day I say to her and all the other younger people that I'm working with, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, it's a horrible thing to have to say, but I said, you wait for the famine. You work, wait for the riot, for the riot. You wait for, I mean, you just have to be, be ready. You've got to be steadied. This is nothing compared to what is going to happen. Now, readying for this racial component means that you've got to do, you've got to have a sense of self, what Catherine was saying a moment ago. You you can't start with Juneteenth. It's okay to do it. You can't start, in, in, in our case locally, with 1917, the slaughter of hundreds of black people by white mobs in East St. Louis, mm-hmm. or 1921 in Tulsa, or 20 in Florida. You can't start with 1619. You have to have a people whole. You've got to, we must talk about ancient civilizations founded by our people. As we confronted John Hope Franklin in the 60s, you know, we loved him, we admired him, mm-hmm. the elder. But we said, not slavery to freedom. It's mm-hmm. freedom to freedom. 
because, because the oppressor always has the upper hand when you're coming from slavery. Mm-hmm. But where did you come from? Who are you as a people? Now, and I, that's what I say to you know, my, my mentees and the team. You've got to gird yourself in a tradition that predates the existence of the United States. And every group in, in this country, except for black people, at least until we came until we come up to Kwanzaa, had one. Every other group has a, a tradition that predates whatever it is, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's um, um, uh, a tradition, something coming out of Ireland or something coming out of Daniel, wherever. So we have to have something that we step back into this cauldron on an equal level. Now, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but I think that the young people and the technology can make it happen. They've made it happen already. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else and who else could bring the world to its knees? I mean, literally bring this country to its knees. Yes. Yeah. And it's never going to stop. I mean, the cat is out of the bag now. So whatever happens is only going to get worse and more formidable and more challenging and demand so much more of us, you know, of what we try to do in setting up those hundreds of black studies programs and hundreds of women's studies programs, the team, and hundreds of ethnic studies programs. Now, Every institution worth its salt has got to have something to train people. You get me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Every institution of any, every corporation, every factory, every assembly line, every slaughtering house. We've got we've got to remake it, and I you know you can call for a new Const- constitutional convention. Mm. Um, so anyway, you know, <laughs> you know how we 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 elder teachers can go on and on, Catherine. <laughs> yes. Well, I yeah. did want to mention. So I just want to kind of throw that out and then uh, yeah. give it back to Catherine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, in response to um, some of your words. As a master teacher, <laughs> um, I love the I love the um, the current possibilities that mm-hmm. we have. The youth have have lifted themselves a lot because of technology, a lot because of our arts, and coming to not only a higher consciousness. <coughs> excuse me, but I wanted to say how we have this call to conscience, mm-hmm. this, this um, sense of inner and outer justice or balance or something like that. And mm-hmm. the youth have not um, depended on us, but they have emerged in their own 
um, transformation, if you will, to activism mm-hmm. in response to their um, in response to our suffering and our anger and our rage. They have been the new transformers, if you will. I mean, we, as you mm-hmm. say, they've been revolutions and um, changing of consciousness from the time that we came here, but mm-hmm. always built on, I think, the notion of community, the notion of sharing, in a way, um, on the values, really, and principles of community. And mm-hmm. I think that we elders have been the participants and observers, and now the youth are creating more for the country as a whole, the world as a whole, to observe, observe the injustice. With the technology, people can see and hear and share all that is in our faces. I remember growing up in segregated Alabama without a TV, for example, and I remember specifically when the civil mm-hmm. rights movement was, you know, in its snick phase in the in the Deep South, and my cousin, Sammy Young Jr., who was the first college student to be killed in the movement, um, mm-hmm. when he was mm-hmm. having his, and James Foreman wrote a book on that, about it, mm-hmm. um, he, he was um, working on voter rights down in Lowndes County, but anyway, he... He he was waiting for his girlfriend, went to the bus stop, and got into an argument because he couldn't use the white bathroom, and yet his spirit arose as he expressed not only his anger and rage and activism, and I would say righteous protest and activism. Um, it was just another wake-up call for our sheltered Tuskegee community um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the reality of the fate of black men. I mean, in Tuskegee for a while, and I'm not talking about everyone, but there was kind of a sense of denial that it was more of a sense of let let us rise up, let us educate ourselves, let us do everything in order that we can integrate, assimilate, and all of that. And then one of the favorite children of Tuskegee was suddenly dead. The man mm-hmm. was let out after 24 hours. Justice was never served. And so it's hard, and especially, I mean, today, to ignore, but the man on the bus where he went to shelter that had just pulled in to the bus stop said to the man who was chasing him with a gun, said, um, the whole world is watching now. You cannot just shoot this black man. Or he, was a, mm-hmm. he was a student at the time. And everyone mm-hmm. on the bus heard that. And mm-hmm. yet... When he was put off the bus, he was shot in the back of the head. Um, So what I'm saying is technology has developed so far now 
that mm-hmm. people can no longer ignore the violence against our communities and against our men in particular. And mm-hmm. so this co- this conscience of what is right and wrong, I think, has awakened not only in ourselves and in our youth, but in the larger community, both nationally and globally. And I think very important things to do as we see, as we listen, as we go into silence at times, as we observe, and mm-hmm. then the boldness and the courage and the energy to share mm-hmm. our reactions, our our um, creative responses, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. well, the what I am hoping is that we will, um, uh, and I do see indications of this that. Somehow, the young people um, can compress hundreds and perhaps thousands of years of history Mm -hmm. into something that we talked about in the 60s. And I belong to a a think tank that's almost 60 years old. Me. And a lot, a lot of us are dead, and you know names like John Henry Clark and Maya, mm-hmm. but but just just you know, um, and we call for a serum, a serum that could be injected, not not a literal serum, but mm-hmm. s- something that I had come up with the word anything a serum, and it could be injected to advance the consciousness uh, across a breast. In other words, so we wouldn't be route-stepped. You know, mm-hmm. I was in the Marines, and there were <laughs> times when, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have people who are unconscious in, in ways that they've been maybe hit by a... Uh, hit by someone and knocked unconscious, you know. And so mm-hmm. in Rinko, there was a term route step, which means nobody is walking in step. You know, we're not abreast. We're not, we're not in any kind of organized movement, so everybody won't get killed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's called route step, okay. So, but sometimes you need to be in step, and we find that you have, People at different stages, uh, and 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 almost n- never or rarely, if ever, do you have enough people at the most advanced stages of consciousness to affect ch- change, permanent change. You know, so. So I'm thinking that the young people are just thinking about what they're telling me. I'm in kindergarten when it comes to technology. <laughs> mm-hmm. My, I got a Kindle, and my 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 granddaughter, she's 13, but at the time she was 10, and I didn't know what to do. She said, "Oh, granddad, I can fix it for you." And then she uh, called me back and said, "Well, I have to be 18, and plus I, there's, there's a 
that's a, a, a number, a number, code, you know. But I had to be, I mean, just that quickly, she, she, can I, that's as far as she could go. But, 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 but she was just, you know, oh, I can, I can get it going for you. So I think this idea of the serum, which, as I said, would be some kind of formula of formula that could be injected using the technology that would bring most of the people abreast of the necessary consciousness, using the necessary consciousness. Uh, so so that, that's, that's that futurism, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like what, and, and when I see little girls named Isis, there were no little girls named Isis when I was a kid. Mm-mm. You know, there were no. Uh, I get it. You get it. I mean, I could just I could rattle off a thousand names mm-hmm. across the board. You never heard them. I mean, including the creative ones were the mixed names, which is African and African uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm just thinking is that uh, this. They can do it. They can. They can. They, they can crack and rebuild the code. Uh, what, what's happening in Oakland with some of the people who have a twelve-step program for mm-hmm. racism for yeah, black Marvin X. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know Marvin X in the group working with mm-hmm. the brilliant the man, the mentor of mine, Doctor. Uh, oh God, and his wife. You know. Nathan Hare. Oh, and Nathan Hare. Yeah. Oh, Nathan Hare. Hare. Yeah. yeah. He say, I Way was back. indebted to him. Indebted, indebted to him. Yeah, Julia Hare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so, 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 so this kind of thinking, you know, that how that there is a way. I, I believe there is a way to inject that into the consciousness using the technology. And that they will find it. So that you can say, okay, Miro, you can say Macedonia, you can say yes. Herodotus mm-hmm. said that Willie Harrod men taught him history. You don't stop at the Greeks, you know. He said it. Well, I think he said, I learned. I learned from those men and women with their hair, with that, you know, with, with hair that's not like ours. <laughs> so right. uh, how, how, do, how, how does that come about? You've got to read. Of course, you've got to read. But that's what, um, what I'm looking at and thinking about is, uh, you know, putting, putting it together. So everybody's right on, like, 1619, but it was not slavery to freedom. Like somebody sent me a note the other day and it said, from enslavement to enfranchisement. And I shot back, no. <laughs> no, not yes. from slavery, you know. Mm-hmm. Then we're always beholding. Right. Always, we always, they always got us by the throat. We have, we can match, you know, Mind for mind, idea for idea, philosophy mm-hmm. for philosophy. We have it. I mean, we've studied it. 
We know. And so yeah. now is how can we get that going so these brilliant young people have that with them, they have that, they tune into that. At the same time, they're saying, we're not going to take this anymore. You know, because not only are we human beings, but we're the folks who gave the world the world. <laughs> yes. Or yes. helped give the world the world, you see. And so I, I, I'm wrestling with that, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, before I leave here, to get it to enough people, let us get it to sink in. Oh, your voice you know, they're not going to take, take you. I mean, I got hundreds of thousands of books. I can't hear you, Eugene. Yeah. yeah. I got hundreds oh. of thousands of Wanda? books. Wanda? I, I read oh, eight yes. stories. Hello? Yeah. Oh, Catherine, Hello? you can't hear us anymore? I can, I can hear you. Yeah, Eugene. I can hear you, but Eugene kind of faded out. How about oh, me? I can, I can hear. No, I okay. can hear you, Gene. I'm going to conclude it. But I, I have eight storage units down the street from oh. my house. Eight. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, stuff, wow. stuff that I that I have, just, I'm sure you've got something similar yeah. that, I've, that I have collected well, over eight. time. <laughs> huh? Well, I don't you know, have eight. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, you know, and I want, I want to hand stuff off. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, the university has some of it, but we're I in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, and okay, back to you, <laughs> Well, uh, I, I just think wanted, that. Yes, Wanda. Oh, um, well, I just want to put in a request. Uh, so, Catherine, I, I, I do want you to do um, that poem that you didn't do all of um, when mm-hmm. we um, were a part of that program, Wake Up America. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I want you to do your autobiographical poem. I don't know what else you might have wanted to share, but I, I wanted to put in those requests. And and okay. Eugene, I wanted sure, to um, ask sure. you to um, if you have any, you know, you can share whatever you like. But I'm really happy you mentioned the um, uh, the 1917 because it was um, you know that big massacre in in East St. Louis uh, was May 28th, and then was also. July 1st through the 3rd, so this week, like starting today, you know, right. hundreds of people of African descent were being massacred. Um, That's right. Being and I'll be, in at a big thing, I'll be at a big thing Friday, reading poetry. Uh, one, of the, one of the stalwart families in St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, escaped destruction mm-hmm. by building a raft and rowing across the Mississippi River in hmm. in the thick of night. And they're working on their third, with third alderman, that family mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're very prominent, and uh, they, but they, they, they come every year, July 3rd, on, on the riverfront, and we have this, this huge thing, you know. Uh, so yeah. All right. Okay. Ready yeah. And and then one more thing, and then uh, somewhere in there, um, I I wrote a poem, uh, Catherine, uh, for for Eugene um, three years ago when he made eighty, and, mm-hmm. and so I want to share that with I want to share that with oh you and the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> so, okay, well, um, I just have a couple more words And then I, I will um, read a poem Or part of a poem 
And I wanted to accentuate the fact that we are storytellers. And we have often historically educated through storytelling. If we were unable to get Western so-called education, Mm-hmm. But I think it is our responsibility, and the youth is certainly picking it up, to to educate, recreate, reconstitute, and mm-hmm. build, build. And mm-hmm. I see building, I see building as a thing of of scale or levels, and it you know you get on the ladder of someone that's gone before that's that's reaching back to take a hand of someone. But I see that balance and that um, development not only in our minds in terms of education and and things like that, but also in our body. Uh, We have our feelings. We have our sensations. And we carry things with us. Mm -hmm. So not only do historically, and I would say all people, but, you know, we have to kind of keep it in the forefront of this balancing of mind and body and spirit. And when I think of spirit, I I think I think not only intergenerational, but I think of nature and I think of music and dance. Uh, uh. I think of compassion and forgiveness. I think of our freedom coming from this balance. And so I just wanted to share kind of that as mm-hmm. the transformative power of mm-hmm. our selves, our movement, our um, blah blah. Mm-hmm. Not to diminish anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thank Wanda, you. do you Thank really you. want me to read "Shame on You, America"? I have one that I wrote for June Jordan, which is also good. Oh, oh, sure, share with share the June Jordan. I oh, love yeah, June Jordan. She was so wonderful. She, yes, she was. She was. Love to invoke her name. Wait, she was I a great to, friend, um, yeah. Hold on. Oh, she was a great friend of yours. You know everybody, Eugene. So yeah, tell I us got, a story I about great, June. <laughs> June Jordan. I got great photographs of June Jordan. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, remember uh, an interesting event that happened when June wrote a book, uh, Who Look at Who Looks Who Look at Me? It was an early book, uh in part directed toward children. And Mari Evans, you know, this is the, there were ideological rifts. And Mari Evans wrote a book, an uh, answer, and some people got it, some didn't. It's right behind that. It said, I look at me. Hmm. And it was that kind of, you know, it was that, 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 that swing, ideological swing where, Henry Dumas would say, uh, who's invisible? I'm not invisible. Everybody knew what he was talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. In other words, we had these we had these lines, you know, then and I say to you know, all the young people around, you know, we we weren't in we weren't in lockstep. You know. There were people who uh who were operating in a shore to shore consciousness. And then that means from one coast to the other of this country. And then there were other the others of us who operated in a uh, a consciousness uh, of of continuum 
where you blasted out both the back and front doors of the consciousness to open up. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, people who only have a shorter show. So that was uh, something they had to work work out. It was an interesting kind of thing uh, mm. with June saying, you know, with her book, Who Looks at Me? And then Marie coming back saying, uh, I look at me. And the question was, okay, who do you want? It depends on who's looking or who's looking to be looked at. So, and, you know, I love June, and she was, she was, a, uh, she was a, an architect. I guess she was a cultural architect and, and a brilliant teacher, you know. But mm-hmm. we, we all came through. Uh, we, all, we all came aboard in various ways and at various and at, and at stages. Right. Aboard the ship of con- the ark of consciousness. So this one, when June Jordan came through Honolulu, because I was teaching ethnic studies, actually, I had an opportunity to meet and be with um, quite a few wonderful educators, poets, etc. In fact, I wrote a book on Frank Marshall Davis, but we won't go there right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Really, one of my favorites. I called it Survivors. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm only ah. going to read some excerpts because it's long. Oh, um, how, how long? How long? When you say long, great, how long is long? Great poet, uh, Frank Marshall Davis. Yeah. Major, um, I would major. say it's as long as the other one. Oh, well, we, I mean, I have time. What, you, 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 you don't want to read it? You said we could go over yeah. a bit. Yeah, we can go over. Okay. So you, you don't have to, you okay. don't have to answer. You can read the whole poem. Okay. But so before you do, could you tell us who Frank Marshall Davis is, for those who don't know him? Right. Yes, Frank Marshall Davis was a journalist, a poet, and um, a labor activist who uh, was in Chicago, and for a while he was uh, editor of the Associated Negro Press, which is one Mm -hmm. of our lifelines to news about our community. He also worked in Atlanta. Um, He got interested in the labor movement because of the inequality of economics, if you will, and he married a white woman in the 40s, and Paul Robeson, whom he worked with in... Um, many ways, suggested that he move to Honolulu, and he did in his wife, Helen. And I had the opportunity to spend um, several years once a week interviewing him, and I did do um, my dissertation as well Mm -hmm. as a book, and it's called um, The Fire and the Phoenix, Frank Marshall Davis biography. So anyway, um, and when I took my Angelou to meet him, she had thought he was dead. He'd been not visible for many years. She cried. Mm. But anyway, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's move on because let's move on. Survivors for June Jordan. I am no longer alone. Resolve not to run on hatred but love. Love for the sake of the people I love. Live the presence of human life, the miracle of survival amidst concrete playgrounds, skeletons of welfare and drugs, mutilated products of racism, 
people mm-hmm. who experience ignorance, deprivation, mm-hmm. and horror on a daily basis. I am no longer alone. Resolve not to run on hatred but love. Questions of freedom and identity appear like dreams. How can I be who I am? How can I know and realize my potential, be other than I am? The diaspora, the exodus, the drums of victims, of destruction, of power, of overwhelming circumstance, living testimonies of injustice, indifference, and vicious consequences. What took you so long to awaken? I am no longer alone, part two. Resolve not to run on hatred but love. Love for the sake of the people I love. I am alive and sacrosanct. Potential exists. Power. Move, move, move into the community of moment toward the self. But who am I? Individualism can consume like sleep, separating people, community, spirits. The self unconscious masquerades like a fool, falls, becomes a victim, full of fear. I am no longer alone. Live, victims, revolt, become agents, subjects, collectively choose new verbs, new actions, Mm. new symbols. Invent mm. double speak and nurturing strategies. I am no longer alone. Resolve not to run on hatred but love. Love for the sake of the people I love, despite class analysis, exploitation of human life for material gain and profit, despite egregious metaphor of justice. I live blindfolded. I try to balance the fate of the living, try to protect the victims, part three. I am no longer alone. Love to live, to survive. So what if I work, speak correctly, and dress très chic like the powerful? If I am no longer me, if I am silent to the needs of the larger community, if I entertain delusions of ego and no longer recognize who I am, where I am from, who my ancestors were. If I no longer care, victory is spirit, and this is not survival. I am no longer a love. We are survivors. We are strong to answer in our own political terms, political as in group, as in community, political as in language, as in power, as in life. We assert and affirm new paradigms, praxis of the disposition, values, lifestyles, based on balance. Am no longer alone. Sisters and brothers conspire to understand the processes of self-preservation, development, and forgiveness. We demand and assume freedom to stay alive, to make life, to incorporate new life into our lives. We must arise collectively and assume responsibility for the endangered ones, for ourselves. I am no longer alone, seeking connections of love through self-love. Then I can love the other. Revolutionary correspondences and distinctions Mm. between Mm. what hurts me and who, 
between what I am trained to accept and reject or simply ignore, between bribes, bribes, and rewards, seeking to understand the tensions between us. I am the critic, the lover, the nurturer, archetypes all, myths all. I am the poet, the creator, the chronicler. I am here and I am there. I feel the pain. I am the pain. I become yin and yang, you and me, both intrinsic to the struggle. Hmm. I am no longer a love, alone. I am no longer alone. There must be hundreds, thousands, millions who feel as I do, but how to connect Hmm. our struggles and goals. Hunger and famine affect 800 million people. A majority are women. A majority are third world. Or are we the first world? How to connect with the dispossessed. If I am dispossessed, so are you too. The bonding has occurred in our humanness, in our rituals, in the process of healing. Solitary efforts soothe the conscience but do little to change the scale of human misery, how to connect with the victims. We are all victims. How to scrape an ax away at the minority status quo, at the suffering symptoms of poverty, disease, despair. We seek to be free, to be who we are without fear, without humiliation, without suffocation, free, free to assume fulfillment of our dreams, to be responsive and responsible for every aspect of our human beingness, free to give to each of our lives a consecration without equivocating, without Mm. sorrow. Mm. We act on a moral and political stage. I know I am no longer alone. Resolve not to run on hatred but love, love for the people I love, live, Life, a celebration of community where joy transcends, like sisterhood, like brotherhood, like struggle, like us. We are no longer alone. This is a perspective. This is a faith. For June Mm -hmm. Jordan. Oh, yay, that's beautiful. Oh, that was really a beautiful... You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I, uh, yeah, very powerful and mm-hmm. reminiscent of June Jordan's um, language. That's why it was for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, June Jordan's language. Uh, well, not you know, not to, but yes, 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 yes. Yeah, a very, very powerful teller of stories and very powerful narrator, mm-hmm. poetic narrator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and she was also Thank really you. observant too. You would you would see her, and she would be quiet, and you know she wasn't missing anything. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's right. Yes, yeah. Yes. And and I just love I just while you were sharing the poem I just saw her her smile and I heard yeah. her yeah. her her wonderful laughter her little giggle you know uh huh yeah <laughs> I just saw oh, all of wonderful. that wonderful 
Well, I'm going to yeah. turn it over now to Eugene, unless he wants to say something else. No, did you want her to read something else? Was that? Oh, no, was no, that no you, go, you go you next, go and then if you have time. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just read uh, the prologue and the uh, end of a poem, of a, of a long poem that I wrote for and read at Miles Davis's uh, uh, memorial in East St. Louis. Mm. It's called Milestone, the Birth of an Ancestor. Well, Miles Dewey Davis the third in memoriam and futurium, 1926-1991. Dressed up in pain, the flatted fifth began his funereal climb up the tribal stairwell. Grief radiant. As it bulged and gleamed with moans, spread like laughter, <laughs> or Ethiopia's wings, mourned his own percussive rise, became blues born in the horse East St. Louis air, bore witness to the roaring calm. The garrulous silence, the caskets of tears, the gushing stillness, the death of the cool, became the birth of an ancestor. Yeah, y'all, the death of the cool. Became the birth of an ancestor. Excuse me. So your homeboy, blues prince, jazz pontiff, a mournful flag of release, draped over that hushed horn of plenty. Yet brilliant rumbling start up again as this native sun goes marching in. Brilliant rumbling, spreading like laughter, or Ethiopia's wings, mourning their own percussive rise, becoming blues born above the horse, East St. Louis air, bearing witness to the roaring calm, the garrulous silence, the caskets of fears, the gushing. Stillness from the death ash of the cool flame comes the warming birth of an ancestor. Okay. Powerful, powerful. I got goosebumps. Powerful. Mm, nice. Miles. Um. So um, I did have a uh, a little piece of Maya, but I, I don't think I can find it. So we'll, we'll, mm. oh, since the time really? is, uh, 
Yeah. In, uh, uh, a form of the Quantasava that we spoke of earlier mm-hmm. that we invented in our uh, in our uh, workshop in East St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, it's my honor, virtually and vicariously and spiritually, <laughs> to meet you, uh, Catherine, Mr. Carr. Uh, oh. Of course, I know you, Wanda. Mm-hmm. I've been an admirer yeah. of yours. You're, 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 you're great at what you do. Yes. Yeah, you, well, and, you know, and you've been doing it for decades. Yeah, yeah, quite a while. Wow. Um, do you have any other poetry, though, you want to share, Eugene? Um, let's, uh, this, um, oh, oh, there's a couple, here's, here's, here's a, a Kwanisaba, uh, when Oprah turned 55, and there's a lot going on with Oprah every five years, beginning, uh, when Maya was around 60, Oprah gave her this incredible party. And it was rumored that she spent $5 million. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> then the critics had something to say about it. She could have been feeding, well, she was feeding a lot of people. The students to Africa months on end. You know, old classes. You know. But anyway, um, this is just something that, that includes the posse that... Um, we're all interacted with there for for a few decades. Oprah is fifty four fifty five. Five on the five five side O to start this Windy City Flow show where Zora has eyes for tea cake and mm. and Ruby and Ruby Ruby cures Ossie's <laughs> heartache. Q Escorts Alice down Purple Lane as Gail, Tony, and Maya, our beloved's main man, Barack, glowing like a White House clock. <laughs> one of those puzzle poems. And, and, here's, um, and here's one, uh, one of these, you know, another quantum solver. This one, I found one for Maya. Hmm. Uh, actually, there's two together. There are seven lines, the form of seven. Seven uh, lines, seven words per line, seven letters. Maya's son, as he ran, rides waves. Carl's twin is joy. So knows Maya. Proximating heartquake. Guys and still rising. Words here whirling down. World sun waves. Like a blues age angel moon, styling real, real and bought it solo, S O U, as proud Oprah except the baton of sheep homes, and Maya laughs in the key of thunder. So if you've heard her mm-hmm. laugh, you know what I'm saying. And this mm-hmm. final one, uh, Moon Maya Kwanzaa. She see, this is a, a biography of Maya in 49 words. She feeds eyes, ears, and skies with dancing loaves of poetry, baked 
in awareness of stamps, St. Louis, San Francisco, and Pogi and Beth. Then foretasting purple Alice's and blue Tony's, Keon Cage's Dunbar's lyrical feast in Nasser's Egypt, in Kuma's Ghana, MLK's USA, and every woman's kitchen. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I love the key of thunder. That's beautiful. And she has her cookbook too. Yeah. The kitchen, yeah. you know, I mean, just it's so traditional. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was yeah. quite a yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I was we, thinking uh, um, as as we um, we yeah. sort of wrap this wonderful conversation, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again at some point. Um, I thought I'm going to read the poem I'd that I wrote it. for um, for Eugene, and then uh, and then <laughs> Catherine, if you want to do another poem, and then uh, Eugene, if you have any a poem or some final words, and that's how we'll wrap, if if you don't mind, because I've extended the time, so we're not going to run out of time, but we're not going to fill all the okay. time either, because. Catherine is probably hungry because she's been up <laughs> early, early. Yeah, and she can't yeah, talk. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm this poem my is voice called. Works. Right. So this poem is called "Drum Roll for King Eugene B. Redmond, No More Conqueror," <laughs> and it was written um, three years ago, December first, because his birthday is December first, and mm. um, yeah, when he made eighty one. All praises. For the witnesses with words, may they continue to lift their voices in praise songs for the forgotten ones in forgotten languages. All praises, all praises for praise songs, forgotten languages, bandied tongues, amputated legacies. All praises Mm. for the resilience that is black Africans. Newly minted, we keep rising Mm. anyways. Lard, polished, so shiny, we fresh like rotted meat. Stinking sweet, too. Ain't no stopping us ever. Groove too tight to abandon. Even if we could shake loose our heritage. Never silent for long. Drum voices rumble across terrains to reclaim sacred landscapes. All praises. All praises for the best forgotten. May it all rest peacefully. We pour libations lifting the urn to lips baptismum. Baptismum. Too much, too much. Tears almost wash away the what's left in the grave. <laughs> Three. Mm. Ah, Shay, sorry. Three. <laughs> Sometimes mm. rhythms jog memories mm. of forgotten happiness. All black history is not a sorrow song best recalled through smoky glass. Drowned in shots tossed back quickly to hide bitter taste in mouths filled with leaves reeking of uncertainty. Sometimes suicide is the best choice, but King Redmond, you chose to live. All praises, all praises for the journey, for the walking stick, for the liniment, for the ashe in your knapsack. Four, happy birthday, no more conqueror. You are still making revolutions. Born at a time when veiled ancestors participated in strategic guerrilla tactics, you sallied into the fire with words. All hail our literary king who comes from a long line of East St. Louis 
heavy lifters, images enshrined on his heart of hearts. From Dadam Dun, Davis Dunham Dunbar to Angelou and Baraka, Blackwell and Sanchez, Bombara and Cortez. King Red, you keep listening us, your people's Haya, the African Hydra, and escape from bondage into the brightness of Freedom Land. It didn't happen overnight, but dreams, drinking gourds, bawling dogs, torn limbs, buried, washed ashore, remembered memories, captured then, reconstituted are the stuff our people and their children are made of. Sticks and stones are for Bata, sacred ancestor Alicia, black deity songs, warriors, Ogun, Eshu, Legba, Oshosi, uh-oh, Night Watch, at the fore and aft of Junk Ridge, carrying captives from the depths of those pits located in a hell too cavernous to remember consciously. We keep rising, walking along a trail of bones to destinies we still transcribing. Ashe for Truth, Tubman, Douglas, Prosser, Delaney, Turner, and the cooks dribbling poisonous sauce along the mighty long ancestral Trail of Tears. We is patient people, waiting, planning, and strategizing, then winning, always winning. Oh, Jubilee King Redmond, our chief, our sage, our beloved teacher, archivist, jolly, singing songs of blackness, create new forms that speak to this sojourn. Kwan Saba, seven lines, seven words, seven principles, the first Umoja, unity. All praises due, all praises to the one who created all, who created parents, the great Baba John Henry and Ia Emma Jean Hutchinson Redmond, who nurtured our King Redmond briefly until an untimely death, orphaned at nine. The young prince was raised in part by a grandmother and a group of neighborhood fathers, friends of his older brother, and members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He attended. Sorry, I lost my spot. (laughs) Cheers and felicitations on your sojourn, King. A thousand jewels from the most coveted Zimbabwean caves, South African mines, Kikongo Hills. All praises, all praises. We are so blessed. You decided to join us 80, now 82 years ago, almost 82 and a half years ago, and say a (laughs) wow, everlasting joy, health, wealth, and wonderment as you continue to dance to life immortal. Ashe, Ashe, Asheo. Yay! And that is you and Catherine <laughs> can't see me crying. Oh, wow. that's so fabulous, Wanda. Because <laughs> I never heard you read it. I don't think you you read it before. Yeah, I read it to you. Yeah, I read it to you on your birthday. Yes, you did. Yes, you yes you did. You read you read it. Mm-hmm. You did. You did. Oh my God! Whoa! King Redmond. Ah, so Love it. That is so good. Oh, All the history, Wanda. And you put it I'm together so myself. wonderfully. Thanks, Thank you. Captain. Thank you so much. Oh, you're well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I got to tell you. my children about that when I call them momentarily. <laughs> well, I will send wow. you a link to the show and you can play it for them. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So, Catherine, you, 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 you were right again. Oh, thank you. I'm just so honored, Eugene, that we, I, you know, I'm just so happy. I'm so honored. 
I'm just, you know, beyond and words. Me too. And when you said Frank Marshall, I knew about it. Frank Marshall <laughs> Davis was the poet. You know, I wrote that drum critical history. Well, I don't know. Some mm-hmm. of the think it was so critical, but I wrote that history. And I was just, bo- I had been seeing Frank Marshall Davis's poems and Negro Digest and Black Will and a couple of anthologies, you know. Right. And I was like, wow, what a, um, what a brilliant mind and, and what a consciousness. And he could yeah, just, he was uh, a brave just, uh, He could riff. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for that. I mean, you, you're, 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 your career, you're, you're a legend for Frank Marshall Davis, not even to mention all those other important things, just, I did like you did. I went and, I mean, I knew about your work and I taught some work, taught your work and included you in my lectures, but I also went and boned up on you. Thank (laughs) you. In the last last, uh, couple of weeks. Um, In terms of, you know, online. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So you're going to read us, read a favorite again? I'm going to, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I think you could say that not only am I an Afrofuturist, but I'm an eco-poet and a love poet, Mm. and I'm a warrior poet, all of those, if, if, you know, if we had to categorize me. But this one I wanted to end on, and it's called The Quilt of Our Love. And, of course, we know... And the audience may or may not know about our quilts in a community, our freedom quilts, our um, historical quilts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just wrote this. Mm-hmm. Quiet is the quilt of our love, like silk <clears throat> splashes of pink clouds early at day's first yawn. Quick is the quilt of our love, velvet swatches like soft rabbits eager to frolic and fun. Bits of batik, exotic, electric, magic, as magnetic taffeta everywhere, energy, energy. The quilt of our love quickens the patterns, stitched fabric, dancing to bursting. Reflection on improvisational pieces of yesterday's sewn for tomorrow. Patches of red, blue, purple, black. Clips, cuts, snips, fragments from garments worn in the garden. A pulsing drumming of colors. The patterns exploding, imploding, expanding, enlivened mm-hmm. circles of yellow punctuated mm-hmm. by white sequin stars. Mm-hmm. Deep inside the mm-hmm. quilt of our love, parameters mm-hmm. boundless, cosmogenies infinite. We are warmed. We are warmed by the paragon of love's care. Oh, thank wow! You, what, what, yeah, a, we what are a blending! By, by care. Yeah. What a, sti- what a stitching! 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I used, to, I used to I used to make the quilt trees for my grandmother. Oh, you know, the, I know. Uh, I've seen those. Not yeah. yours, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I used to make them. They 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 also call them horses and mm-hmm. ponies, and there would be one at each corner of of the quilt, right? And you just mm-hmm. see her going up and down, thread down, thread. I mean, needle down, needle up, thread needle. And uh, I built those. I, I was a, a carpenter's apprentice. Um, and as um, as as uh, Wanda said in a poem, I was motherless at nine, and my grandmother became my mother. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, I want to read. Ninety-two words, two more Quonsalves for Maya, since we own it, and all of these are in Arkansas memoirs. <clears throat> so Maya and I, I, you know, I could go on forever. Um, for fourteen years, Maya loaned me one of her homes to write in in Winston. Oh, wow! And when we met, we had met in the sixties on and off, and wink at each other, and smile and wave. But in 1970, she said to me in Sacramento, Eugene, be my brother forever. So we had hundreds and hundreds of conversations over time. And we we drank together. We ate together. We were brother and sister. But we talked raw sometimes. And she told me all about you know her love. I told her about my love. And uh, it, it was, uh, I mean, it was deep and regal and funky. So here are two Quonsaba. Quonsaba tales tall as Maya. You want to know how it feels to give birth, my dear brother? Imagine pulling your upper lip over your head like a stocking cap. <laughs> That's a cool. Mid-80s, mid-80s church theater. And Maya serving slices of Winston-Salem House talk to me and the sister ring, Ruth Love and Dolly McPherson, the two of her best lady friends. And the next one is another <laughs> another scene. Um, <clears throat> raising an after repast glass, we share a mid seventies memoir from Sonoma, California. Wine country. Second brother Jimmy Baldwin's Paris-born epistle. Writing is like shitting bricks. <laughs> then an age, then an Africa-aged pause. Quake filled and quiet as a poem's pounce. As a San Andreas on New Madrid fault. Mm. Mm. Wow. Nice. Wow. Thank you. Well, this has been really, really lovely. Thank you both so much for sharing ah this wonderful conversation with a live audience. So we can like we were able to like. Be in the room with you. Um, you all have done so much and Ooh. told so many stories. And thank you so much for sharing just a few of them, you know, because I'm sure we we could be here for quite a while, you know, if you all swapped <laughs> out. <laughs> and, thank, uh, you, thank you, Wanda. Wanda. 
and hey, again, again, it's an honor. It's a great honor. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person uh, one day uh, and uh, so we can continue to, um, I can hear more and so on. Um, and we can talk more, yeah. I'll right. ask Wanda for your contact info. I guess it's on an email. I will um, be in touch please. with you, please. Eugenia. Please. Thank yes, you. Yeah, I will send it to you directly. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, okay. you all have a, a good a good rest of the day and um, enjoy your breakfast, uh, Catherine. And uh, and I hope the uh, the memorial on on Friday is 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 um, fitting commemoration for for our ancestors um, who departed yes, here yes, so tragically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, I want to. Uh, Bon voyage, the two of you sisters, uh, for the time being. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, 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 will, uh, we will be in touch again. Good. All right. Aloha. All right. Bye. Aloha. Aloha. Bye. 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 You're welcome. So we're going to close out with Billy Harper's Knowledge of Self. Fletcher's grandness, the heir to his big bandness, was a master of rock to forever lay out the blue wonderfulness of the orchestra, Duke Ellington, whose greatness transcends all trends. Duke told Max, don't let them call your music jazz, because they can make anything that. What prophecy, cold and true? Why, they can say what your boy, what's his name, Elevated G is playing, is that you did? But then, what's the name was the king of jazz? And what's the other dude was the king of swing? And we now up to in that alley, banging on them tin pans. They called it swing. But they meant a noun, not a verb. Never could get the verb in it. Remember all them ladies and men, masters and mistresses of the verbal thing? At the waters in a blue, new American classical popular song. And Billy, who reached the deepest tear in our heart. And Ella, all flying off them wonderful bands who carried our hearts, our meaning in their songs. 
the royalty like Duke and the Count of Basie, the lady who made her alliance with the real American president, Mr. Young. And you know they swung. Bean, the mighty hawk, taught us all how Lewis sounded on another horn. And the cats in their van, Duke's people at the top of the steeple, Johnny Hodges, Harry Carney, Cootie Williams, Cat Anderson, Paul Gonzalez, Ben Webster, and other greats who morphed into another age. If the 20s was the jazz age, then the 30s, the Great Depression, people seemed like they got skinny. But the age of swing, from all those songs, the world was looking for love, but it seemed like there wasn't any. Goose stepping in Europe, pain in Spain. They was painting mustaches on the Mona Lisa and putting a commode in the museum. Had civilization stopped? My man Helene said they couldn't stop bebop, and they won't stop hip-hop. Bird blue, dizzy new. Max carried our original earth to this place where we grew. Bud smiled, and here come miles. There was a bee and a bop. It's just another beat, another bee and another act. Where the is and the unis cohabit the same frame. But the sound was a verb, not a noun, unless you could in Congo style really get down our share shake. But then the could did, and then them original hipsters appeared with the Vance and the Bowie O'Rooney. Said you gotta have them black notes, actually they is blue. I want my fist flatted. And you gotta have the drum where we and the music come from. Dig, that word was the first I heard. It all came beyond paper. For the proper syncopation, you gotta have improvisation. We're gonna take them tired chords and make our own songs, our own stories. Otherwise, it's too dull. It don't swing. It ain't hip. We said we wanted wild, crazy, frantic. We wanted it to be exactly like us. Gone from the square world or out to lunch. My man Symphony said from the jazz corner of the world, it sounded like there was never anything before us hip as Birdland and it's lullaby where I first heard the divine one. Sassy say, you're not that kind of a boy. You're not that kind of a boy. You're not that kind of a boy for a girl like me. What? And we heard of Fats Navarro and Fat Girl and Kenny Clark and Coog and Long Tall Dexter Gordon and Stan Getz and Zoot Sims. We heard the hippest people in the world. But remember, when you go out, somebody's going to try to bring you back in. Bop was too hot, the anti-bop squad said. Too fast, too crazy. Crazy, we said. The counterattack was to bring it back. Y'all been out to lunch too long, whether it was swing or bebop, Disney dream. If you wanted a cop, you had to hit the street. An old road out of the jungle, that's 52nd Street, where the Charleston hit the New York docks. 12th Avenue was a shock. From Angola to the Gullahs in South Carolina, got the first thing smoked, went up to New York. Charleston, James P. wrote, to greet those who landed in the Devil's Northern House, Hell's Kitchen to be exact. San Juan Hill, Monk and Vinnie Carter's home, where Lincoln Center sits still. That's right. He on the only money that ain't white. But what we was trying to say, when it got too hot, some folks tipped away from that street. I think it was the heat. Last seen heading west, their next address. It was cool, really cool. Some said, calm down. Miles said, get down. Stan heard, Clute, Budo, Jerry heard, Lee heard, John Lewis heard, Gil Evans heard, Pancho Haygood heard. They gave birth to the school, the real birth of the cool. When the memory of the hip starts to slip, the gorgeous blue, the funk we knew, they're going to bend their knees and raise it back from the mood indigo that flows out of the black. What was bad could be bad. Much, much better than that. Thus spoke that. So when Cool started to fool with my man Jojo's soul, he went out and put the church in. Where the Negro's eyes be rolling back in their head and start speaking some stuff ain't never been said. A dude named Buhena played them drums like he was insane. I'm from the blue continent of dark under your heartbeat. 
Dudes named Horace drug the funky gospel into the joints, hollering, let me see what you do with your shovel. And the Holy Ghost popping his tambourine, kick the chain rattle in the room. That's nasty when you bring Africa and the Lord in like that. He wanted the messengers from the Holy Ghost Mau Mau Baptist Church, and they got a message from Kenyon 125th Street. The University of Blakey, the Academy of, well, it might have seemed like that, but it really was this. Where you could dig Hank Mobley and listen nobly to the man who called the uncrowned king, Kenny Dorham. But always so many others came to fill up the space with names of that school, Clifford Brown, Luke Donaldson, Chrissy He, Donald Bird, Jack McLean, Lee Morgan, Benny Goldson, all the way to Billy Harper and Wynton Marcellus. With all that love and the saving of the deep historical bonds, the blues, the ancient call and response from across the trees and through the woods so you know where I am and I wait for your response. Our blue life memory all the way back across the world. The zigzag of chance, the improv, and fix however to the mighty drum, the rhythm of life, what has no beat cannot stay. What was called hard bop was something to wake us up again to the rhythm of ourselves. Max and Brownie, along with Buhaina, helped bring the fire back. The post-cool smoke fanned from the wings of the great bird, but now the heavy motion would be by train. We call that band of miles the Hydrogen Bomb and Switchblade Band. Paul and Red, Cannonball, the Funkus, Mad Philly Joe and Train, the monster with the horn. Actually, Miles' great band was but a preface to another awesome being, Trains, Coy Tyler, Jimmy Garrison, Elvin Jones. But Train had to pass through the sphere of Theolonius to get deep into the mysterioso of the funk, leaving the world of the merely hip for the monkishly profound. Monk and Train at the five spot opened the new world of other than where you've been. Let me tell you, I was there. Train didn't even know the arrangements. He sounded like a stranger. But in a minute, Train was in it, and the whole building moved and pulled away. Little Rudy Tootie, jackying in Monk's moves. So around midnight, the new music came. We never was the same. By the time they got from the Bowery to Carnegie Hall, must have been time for something next stop new. Even a Pharaoh, an Ornette, an Albert, a Sun Ra fell by. They heard trains cry. Monks blew inside. A new world welcomed those with ears to hear. <laughs> 